Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South and the Working Class. Now I'm going to focus today on the way that Elizabeth Gaskell presents the working class in her novel North and South. Um, And it's been said how Gaskell's sympathy is chiefly with the working class. Um, Now critics have commented that North and South is a novel that to its very core is concerned with divisions in society. And of course in Victorian times one of those key divisions was the class structure. Um, And one thing that um, is important to know is that this was actually quite complex. You know, you can obviously oversimplify it as working class, middle class, upper class. But in reality, there are lots of degrees within those classes. So within the working class, you've got people like Dixon, who are um, higher ranking servants, you know, trusted um, servants who've been with the family all their lives basically um, and are actually regarded as part of the family in many ways Um, and then you've got the kind of lower end of the servant spectrum Um, for example um, they hire Mary uh, Higgins's daughter Mary to just come in and help with you know the coal scuttling and the kitchen work so you know that that's obviously a different rung of the social ladder And then within the working class, you've got the people in the factories who are earning their own money and they clock on, they clock off. When they leave, they obviously go back to their own homes and their own lives. Um, And whilst, yes, their working hours were very long and they didn't get much holiday, they were a lot more independent than a servant who lived inside um, the family home of the middle class or above. So the working class is, is quite a complex thing and, and Gaskell um, really explains to us through the different characters, um, particularly the Higgins family and Nicholas Higgins's union um, viewpoint, um, the importance to the working class of their own independence. And then within the middle class, you've got people like the Hales. Um, now, Margaret Hale, her father and mother, they're educated people, um, but they don't have much income. Um, so income-wise... Uh, they are on the lower end of the middle class uh, rung of the ladder. Whereas Thornton, who's an established wealthy manufacturer, um, he is probably a lot higher than them in terms of the way he's respected in Milton and um, his level of income, the kind of house that he lives in um, and, and his wealth. In Margaret's eyes, she doesn't necessarily see it that way. It takes her a long time to see Thornton as a gentleman um, because of his lack of education. And then um, in the London set of characters, um, like her aunt Shaw, um, you're seeing a more upper middle class, lower upper class style of life. Um, It's based in London, in Harley Street. There's lots of dinner parties um, and there's a lot of idling around on sofas as Edith demonstrates. So there's these clear class divisions, but where is um, Gaskell's sympathy lying here? Um, And how does she present uh, particularly the working class? Well, I think it it has to be said that that the novel North and South is about this divide in society, the North and the South, the North representing the working class, the industrial 
um, area of the country and the south representing the money, the old wealth um, of the middle and upper classes. And as such, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the South is seen as geographically much more pleasant as an environment. We have the idyllic Helston um, location of Margaret's childhood with the vicarage and the rose bushes. And, you know, there's all that sense of uh, the countryside and the purity of life there. And when you go into Milton, um, it's unmistakably dirty and smoky um, and grimy which obviously doesn't bode very well. However, Gaskell does unpick that stereotype um, and it would be easy to think, oh, you know, working class environment, industrial is bad and the South idyllic environment is good. Well, actually, through um, the storyline, Gaskell begins to unpick those stereotypes in a way that makes us question them. Because Margaret is in the position as, as our protagonist. Remember, this is a Bildens romance, so it's about the development of a protagonist from innocence to experience, from maybe um, lack of awareness to maturity. Margaret goes into Milton with all those unhelpful stereotypes and is challenged by them, and so is the reader. So as we meet um, the Higgins family, um, initially, Margaret sees herself as the lady who's going to save them. Um, previously in Halston, as the vicar's daughter, she would be used to filling a basket up with food and going and visiting the poor. But in Milton, she's visiting the Higgins on very different terms. Um, and Nicholas makes it clear that he wants friendship, he doesn't want charity. And he's quite blunt with her. Now, um, chapter 13 is a particularly helpful chapter to zoom in on. Because this is where Bessie Higgins, Nicholas's daughter, tells Margaret a little bit more about her life. Um, it's very clear that Bessie is very, very ill, probably with something like consumption. Um, she explains to Margaret that it's because of all the fluff that's got into her lungs through working um, in a cotton factory. Um, and she explains that there is a way of preventing this from happening if the employer invests in a wheel and the wheel sort of sucks and extracts the fluff. However, lots of um, factory owners don't want to um, pay the cost of the wheel. And she also tells Margaret that some of the men don't want them, them to buy it either because um, the fluff fills them up and they feel hungrier when there's a wheel. Um, so she makes this comment, you know, between masters and men, the wheels fall through. Um, and it's an and it's a fortunate circumstance that really makes you think about how um, piteous the situation is when you've got people dying preventable deaths. So Bessie is nineteen; she's exactly the same age as Margaret, um, and she's basically dying. She says in the chapter, "In a week or a fortnight, I may be dead and buried," and it really starkly gives that juxtaposition, that contrast between these two female characters. What's Margaret's life been like? What's Bessie's life been like? Um, and I think Gaskell is creating a lot of pathos for the working class here, that there was no need for Bessie to get poisoned by fluff and die. If only there was justice and fairness, if only there was safety and better conditions for the working people. Bessie is not a simplistic character. Sometimes in Victorian fiction, you have the kind of 
tiny Tim character, a little bit like in Dickens's famous story, A Christmas Carol, um, you know, a kind of angelic child-like character who's kind of coughing in the corner and is tragically might die. Um, Bessie's a bit more complex than that because whilst she says um, some things that are very uncomfortable for Margaret to hear, Margaret can't ignore her and nor can the reader. Um, she says, all I've been born for is just to work my heart and my life away. And in fact, Margaret really struggles with that guilt, that sense of, you know, how can I go away and dress up in all my finery um, and go off to a smart party after the sorrow I've seen? You know, she, Margaret, Bessie forces Margaret to recognise her own privilege because in the context of middle class society, Margaret's situation is a bit pitiable. Um, in terms of, you know, she's lost her father's um, forsaken his position as a vicar. They've lost their home. They've had to move to this grimy, smoky, industrial place. So to a lot of characters such as Edith, Margaret's situation is terrible. Um, she feels so sorry for her. Um, but through meeting the Higginses and building a meaningful friendship with them, Margaret is forced to question her own privilege um, and what that means uh, and forced to take an interest um and she learns so much about working people's lives. Her only contact with the working class before Milton has been either in the, her contact with her own servants, such as Dixon, um, or going to visit the poor in Halston. So the working class um, people like Higgins in Milton are very different. And as I've said, they've got this fierce independence. They're members of a union. They want rights. They're willing to strike for their rights. And obviously none of that would have happened with servants living in a house, would it? Um, so Margaret sees a totally different side to the working class. And I think Gaskell is is showing this to be um, you know, something that her readers should care about. Um and Bessie's also got a lot of anger. There's a moment in chapter 13 where she kind of says to Margaret, I could go mad and kill you, I could. Because to Bessie, it seems so unfair. Um, she says, I've never seen the sea. Um, you know, Margaret can talk about um, going to the seaside, living in Halston, and Bessie has none of that. And there's that anger, which I think shows the extent of Gaskell's sympathy and also uh, making it really uncomfortable for the original readers as they read it, just like Margaret, um, if they're middle class, what are they going to do about the suffering of the working class? Now, um, one critic has commented, Elliot's commented, that by openly declaring her sympathy with the working classes, Gaskell felt a moral responsibility to alleviate the negative side effects of industrial capitalism and to promote class harmony. And that's certainly the case, isn't it? That in the novel, um, Gaskell's not saying, you know, a kind of Marxist message of, you know, power to the people, to the working class, and let's, um, let's, you know, have a, a bloody French Revolution style and, you know, execute all the upper class people. That's not what Gaskell's going for here. She's um, saying through Margaret as her voice piece, really, her mouthpiece, um, that there are two classes dependent on each other in every possible way. Um, and so that idea of pushing for harmony is really important. Now, Margaret very much represents Gaskell as she challenges Thornton's viewpoint, because Thornton does have quite a Malthusian um, view of his workers. Um, in other words, you know, um, he wants um, to have that superiority of social rank. He feels like he doesn't have any responsibility for them when they leave the workplace. Um, and, you know, he calls them hands 
which to Margaret embodies a philosophy of not seeing them as people and not valuing their humanity. And, and that's all about capitalism, isn't it? Capitalism is linked with this idea of survival of the fittest. If you succeed, it's because you're good, you've worked hard, you deserve it. If you don't succeed, it means that um, you deserve to fail and you deserve to be punished for being lazy or it's your fault in some way. And that was really how the Victorians um, ran their social uh, set up you know the whole workhouses um and the poor law that was introduced in victorian times all of that was to punish the poor for being poor um you know nobody wanted to go to the workhouse it wasn't a helpful place to go it was a place where you were separated from your family and slowly starved to death um so you know, nobody in their right mind would choose that and many chose death instead of going there so i think gaskell is saying you know we don't want this idea of of blaming the poor for being poor. Um, and she also wants to show us that working class people can be working hard and yet their income's still not enough to survive on. And this is where the Boucher family comes in um, because the Bouchers, um, this is a family with a lot of young children. Mrs. Boucher is physically unwell and can't work. Um, and so poor Boucher he basically is shouldering he's the sole breadwinner of the family the children are too young to be sent out to work um and you know they're all sick and living in um i think they're living in um an air, a sort of house with two rooms and they're in one room and there's another family in the other room so there's literally like two whole families under this under this roof all together and boucher is becomes a victim in the novel of um, the bullying tactics of the union because obviously striking for Boucher means his children are starving because the strike pay isn't enough um, you know for, for them um, and obviously he knows he's going to be ostracized by his own community if he breaks the strike. Boucher is one of the ones who leads um, or is in the mob that um, confront Thornton when he gets the Irish workers in um and as such you know he, he then can't get work after that because he's tainted by that association and nobody will give him a job he ends up dead through his own suicide he can't face his life anymore um, and in chapter 36 um margaret has to inform mrs boucher of this terrible event and there's so much pathos in this chapter um as gaskell zooms in on this woman with all these children physically ill she says i've no chance of being well you know she, there's no there's no way she can recover or get better when she's looking after all these young children and she says um she has naught for to give them to keep them quiet you know there's no food they're hungry and they're ill and so there's this really poignant scene where margaret really gently breaks the news about boucher to her um and at first she's in total denial um and then she starts saying things like are you sure he's dead they may bring him round yet. Now, of course, he's he, he's he's dead. He's been found drowned. There's no chance of that. Um, but her uh, cry of "Oh, John, my husband," the way the children bring up a, a cry of despair, um, is is really powerful in evoking sympathy in the reader. Um, and again, we're mirroring Margaret's sympathy here as Margaret's sympathetic reaction too. Ultimately. Um, Mrs. Boucher says, he's left me alone with all these children. The focus of her despair is the situation she's in now rather than actually grieving Boucher's loss. She's more grieving the fact that she can't, she doesn't know how to survive. Um, and that's contrasted with the fact that Margaret's lost her mother and Margaret's 
grief journey is really about you know being without her mother now it's nothing to do with survival because that's not an issue for her um so i think through the situation of the boucher boucher family gaskell again is is making a very powerful case for the middle class to take interest in the working classes situation to have sympathy and not perhaps as some of the masters have been uh, very unsympathetic to them you know how dare they strike you know why on earth would they want higher wages she's showing them that it's not that simple um and and saying that as well that doesn't mean that she's portraying them as always victims and always right because Nicholas has a lot of um, criticisms of Boucher himself he says that Boucher hasn't managed his money very well he he says that Mrs Boucher hasn't worked either and um, Nicholas himself feels responsible for Boucher's death um, which is one of the reasons why he takes on responsibility for the children when their mother dies as well um, so it's not this that's not the case that Gaskell's painting a halo around working class characters um, which some have accused Charles Dickens of doing. You know, if you read Oliver Twist, he's this poor boy in the workhouse, and yet he's kind of speaking in standard English and, um, you know, morally repulsed by the idea of stealing when Fagin, um, you know, tries to um, exploit him. So I think Gaskell's giving a fairly complex um, portrayal of these situations um, and perhaps showing us that something needs to be done um, to help these people. And obviously, towards the end of the novel, we see Thornton working together with Nicholas Higgins to make things better, you know, to lay on meals. You know, he can buy, um, bulk buy vegetables and meat at cost price and um, an economical way of producing a hot meal for his workers. They get better fed. They work better. It's a win-win situation. So that really gives us hope. Um, for the future that Gaskell shows the working class can work together with the middle class for a more harmonious future. But even though, you know, Gaskell's sympathy is with the working class, we can't forget that the chief um, focus of sympathy in this novel has to be Margaret Hale, who obviously isn't working class. She's a middle class woman. And Gaskell shows, I mean, Gaskell's middle class herself, Gaskell shows the pain and the struggle of being a middle-class woman in the Victorian era. You know, you've got Margaret's um, lack of income and her financial position. She's pretty helpless. She has to depend on her father's decisions, you know, to move them all up to Milton. Also, she has to break the news to her mother because her father won't, you know, build up the courage to do it himself. Margaret is thrown into some really difficult challenging situations you know she has to lie to the police inspector about her brother frederick because she's protecting frederick um she knows that thornton knows that she's lied um and she has to kind of really grapple with this moral dilemma and bear the burden of her disgraced position in his eyes and we see her with a lot of sympathy as she battles through these inner issues of conscience when at the end of the novel when Margaret's inherited Mr Bell's fortune um similarly to Jane Eyre she finishes the novel in a position of power she has financial independence and Margaret decides to sort of um it says she took her life into her own hands and I think we have a lot of admiration for her because she's empowered and she uses that power to do something great and she goes to Thornton and she says look you know you've lost your factory what if I invest my money in your in your business um, you can 
stay as the master you can um you know keep all those people working for you you can carry on the good work you're doing um and you know that solution brings um the end at the end of the novel a real sense for the future of forward looking to um greater um working between the working class and the middle class and 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 better help so where does Gaskell's sympathy lie well definitely with the working class she's she's portraying their situations very poignantly um but she also has sympathy with the middle class she's got sympathy for Thornton having worked his way up from a working class position to where he is now she has sympathy for Margaret with her struggles so it isn't as simplistic as you know there's one good guy and everybody else is the bad guy. Gaskell is doing something quite complex in this novel, exposing her readers to the different facets and, and sides of the Victorian class system. And, and that's why I think this novel is so celebrated and has um, so much relevance for us today too. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.